everybody. Welcome back to the BLP Bulletin. I'm Danielle Berman and it is Monday, September 13th. I hope you guys all had a great weekend and I'm so excited to say that we are launching season three of our athlete interviews this week on Thursday, September 16th. So I hope you guys are ready to meet some amazing philanthropists throughout this fall. If you aren't already following us on social media, go ahead and and head over to Twitter, follow us at Big League Phil, and on Instagram at Big League Philanthropist to get a sneak peek of our first guest this week and their story. We'll be posting throughout the week to introduce our first philanthropist, and you won't want to miss this first interview. And of course, if you know someone we should interview, be sure to reach out and let us know. You can email us at info at tacklewhatsnext.com. Let us know who you would love to hear on the Big League Philanthropist. Okay, let's get right into this week's bulletin. As we all know, this weekend marked the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and a lot of people acknowledge the day across the sports world, but ESPN did a lot of different feature stories, um, including one article that interviewed and featured five people in the sports world who were directly impacted by 9-11 and how they've continued to persevere. Uh, They talked to a football coach paying respects to a former player that was lost in the Twin Towers, to several former football players that have served this country in the military, another former vet now walking 1,800 miles each year in honor of his fallen comrades to raise awareness for veteran suicide. It's a sombering read, but I I think you'll be glad you read it. Um, It was awesome to see what they're doing now, how they're continuing to remember those that they've lost those on those days, um, and just the service that many Americans have given to our country. Another story I read last week came out of Boston and the Boston Globe. There's a nonprofit in Boston called Scholar Athlete, and it's been around since 2009. And the goal was to supplement sports programming and resources for student athletes in Boston public schools. The Boston public school system spends less than a third of 1% on its of its budget on athletics, which is a really big difference compared to other school systems, public school systems, excuse me, across the state of Massachusetts, especially affluent ones and scholar athlete was founded by john fish to supplement the programs in the Boston public school system, filling the gaps supporting with resources around education They created learning centers, they offered training. um, More equipment and uniforms for teams across the school system and other really important uh, you know resources and, and opportunities. They also helped students secure scholarships to four-year universities, and it was credited, the nonprofit itself, Scholar Athlete, with growing the graduation rate of student athletes in Boston public schools from 84% to 95%. And as of last year, it was serving 1,500 student athletes in the Boston area, especially those from disadvantaged backgrounds. Unfortunately, the nonprofit is closing its doors due to COVID and lack of funding. And the Globe article shares how impactful the nonprofit has been in the Boston community and how still woefully underfunded and underprioritized sports programs are in the Boston public school system. Many worry things will go back to the days before Scholar Athlete, and many young people won't be able to rely on the support and resources that the nonprofit provided using sport as a tool for growth, leadership development, and social change. I'm so disappointed to hear that such an important program like this is closing. And, you know, we've talked to people from organizations like Every Kid Sports, 
Natalie Hummel and other folks in the youth sports programming and youth sports world. Youth sports in this country is extremely polarized. We have the haves and we have the have nots. So it's really important for everyone to support your local grassroots sports programs. They need our help. So if you know a program doing amazing work, please, please support them. You never know what that extra donation could do uh, for their bottom line. In other news, NFL star Malcolm Jenkins and the Malcolm Jenkins Foundation are partnering with New York Public School Systems on a financial literacy program. And this program will provide savings accounts of $40 each for the 250 incoming freshman students at three different public schools in the New York Public School System. And they're using the Goal Setter app and program. This is a four-year commitment from New York Public Schools and the Malcolm Jenkins Foundation, about a $40,000 uh, value commitment from these two partners. And the goal is really to empower young people and set them on a path for financial freedom. The Malcolm Jenkins Foundation has a lot of important initiatives for young people. They've been doing work around education and resources uh, for a long time. Uh, Malcolm is from Newark, New Jersey, uh, that area. So he's done a lot of work in Philly where he used to play professionally, as well as in the Newark area. Um, financial freedom is something they definitely wanted to prioritize. And if you don't know, Malcolm is also one of the founding members of the Players Coalition, which is an organization that brings professional athletes together to help advocate for legislative change that strives for more equity and social justice across the country. So congrats to Malcolm and his Malcolm Jenkins Foundation team and all these young people. I cannot wait to see what this program creates. CNN had a feature article with pro soccer star Nadia Nadim. She's played in Denmark on the national team. Uh, she's a very big soccer star in the, in the world of uh, pro soccer. And her family actually escaped Afghanistan under the Taliban's first rule nearly two decades ago, probably actually more like three decades ago. And her time in refugee centers in Denmark is really what exposed her to soccer. Um, she really talked about in this article the harrowing escape her family made when she was 11 years old, um, how the most recent Taliban takeover of the country is really bringing back some horrific memories. She talked about her own experiences as an athlete, the opportunities that sport and soccer has brought to her and then given her to stand up and speak out for others. She talks about the power of sport to bring health, confidence, and leadership, especially for women, which is something that women now in the new Taliban run Afghanistan will likely no longer be able to access and be able to participate in. It was a really powerful interview, and Nadia is clearly not done speaking up for women and women's rights. I really recommend reading the story and following her work as she continues to advocate for women in the sports world across Afghanistan and beyond. And now moving into some more international sports news, next year's FIFA World Cup in Qatar has promised to be the first ever that will be carbon neutral. The construction of the infrastructure in Qatar alone is supposedly emitting 3.6 million tons of CO2. That is a lot to offset. But several pro teams in Europe are coming up with some sustainable options that, should they work, maybe may help make this possible for the World Cup. Uh, the Manchester City Football Club in the UK is piloting a sustainable coffee cup that you can eat <laughs> made by a Scottish company called BioBite. These cups are made out of a wafer that supposedly, once you put hot liquid in it, is 
leak proof for up to 12 hours. So that could eliminate some of the uh, 2.5 billion coffee cups that are thrown away in the UK each year per their House of Commons. It's a lot of disposable coffee cups. So imagine if a stadium embraced this and that, you know, 40,000 every game was eliminated, right? That's huge. Um, another team in the UK called the Forest Green Rovers are piloting a jersey or a kit, if you'd prefer, made out of recycled coffee beans and waste. Each one is going to be made from three cups of used coffee beans and five plastic bottles. And this team was the first to be certified carbon neutral itself in 2017. Their owner uh, of the team also runs an e economically, or excuse me, an environmentally sustainable company and business. So again, you're seeing a lot of sustainable innovation here in the world of pro football and soccer, quote unquote, in, uh, in the UK and in Europe. Um, and finally, a Dutch football club called Ajax plays at the Johan I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Krujif Arena in Amsterdam. And that's supposedly one of the most sustainable soccer stadiums in the world. They've made huge investments in green energy. They've found a lot of creative ways to use waste. The stadium's powered by 4,200 solar panels on the roof and a wind turbine. And grass that's mown from the pitch is taken to a local farm to feed goats, whose milk is then turned into cheese, and that cheese is sold in the stadium. So gotta love that. Uh, I think it's awesome to see soccer internationally has really been going in on sustainable initiatives and trying to make their efforts more sustainable. I think that's going to trickle down to a lot of other pro sports, uh, both in the U.S. and beyond. I really love to see that. Uh, taking a different turn here on another awesome uh, kind of movement, uh, per the site Out Sports, there is now an openly gay athlete playing in each of the U.S.'s five major sports. This is the first time that this has ever happened. Here are the five players, a couple of which we've highlighted before on the bulletin. Carl Nassib, who plays in the NFL for the Las Vegas Raiders. Colin Martin, who played uh, recently for the MLS in the Minnesota United team. Now he plays for the San Diego Loyals. Luke Prokop, who's an NHL player for the Nashville Predators, but right now is playing for their affiliate team, the Calgary Hitmen. Derek Gordon, who plays basketball and right now is playing for the Romerstrom Gladiators in Germany. Brian Ruby, who plays baseball right now for the Salem Kaiser Volcanoes in Oregon. So again, this is a huge moment and congrats to each of these amazing individuals and so many others that I'm sure are just not listed here. Um, these, all of these men are showing that representation matters and your sexuality really does not like and really should not limit what you can achieve. And just because you feel that, you know, you love a certain person doesn't mean that you can't participate in sport at the highest level. So I think this is a really important moment. Again, we saw and we talked about the participation of openly gay, LGBTQ, trans, um, you know, non-binary folks in the Olympics and Paralympics was at some of its highest levels ever. So I think it's really important to see this shift because young people today, we've talked about are much more open about their sexuality. And if they can see these people achieving success at these high levels, then they feel confident that they fit in. There is a place for them and they can do things too. So I think this is a really, really cool article. Um, and thank you to Outsports for letting us know that this is happening. All right. And finally, I wanted to point out a story that a lot of people in the world of philanthropy in general have been talking about. 
There's an account on Instagram called Impact. And if you don't follow them already, you absolutely should. They're always posting important information on different ways to be an ally, support different organizations, be more sustainable, um, ways to support oppressed groups and empower and advance voices that we need to hear. Um, They also highlight um, interesting projects or questionable initiatives like this one that we're about to talk about here. So recently they posted, and I've seen this in a few other articles as well, um, an announcement that was made around a new CBS reality show competition called The Activist. The idea behind the show is that three celebrities, Usher, Priyanka Chopra, and Julianne Howe, were going to co-host this reality show, and six contestants would compete against each other to promote a health or educational or environmental cause online. The competition would run through online engagement and social media metrics, and then they would meet with world leaders, each of these six um, uh, contestants, at the G20 summit to ask for funding, and whoever gets the most funding would win the competition. So as you may suspect, a lot of negative criticism has already come out around the show just the idea that the show is being created. Um, it's a talk, people have talked about it being tone deaf. These celebrities are tone deaf. The show itself is exploiting and profiting off of activism and making it a competition versus something that each of us need to be doing in our individual lives. A lot of people have come out to say that the money that would go into creating the show would do a lot more good just being given directly to causes and activists that are doing the work right now, it would make so much more of an impact. And I certainly think that's true. Um, And the idea that these charities and causes would have to compete against each other has led to some people calling this show the real life oppression Olympics. As if you haven't heard that term before, um, it's usually used to show how people pit um, oppressed groups together to receive funding or receive support from, you know, um, non-oppressed communities. And so this is, again, another example of how we'd be pitting causes against each other, saying only one can make it, right? Um, They point out the problematic message it sends around activism and how philanthropy is already a very troubling word and the, the message behind philanthropy gets lost a lot and that this can encourage some really negative connotations. And I really agree with all of this criticism. I think that activism is really important. And yes, highlighting these kind of causes on national TV is amazing, but not in a reality show format. I don't think that's the way to do it. It'd be one thing, you know, if they were like, oh, we'll do a documentary about this activist and how their life has led to this point and what they do and how hard they work. And maybe they could engage with these celebrities to help amplify some of the activism they're already doing, but pitting people against each other that are all trying to do good is really just not, in my opinion, the way to go. And I hope we can see soon that CBS decides to take a step back and really look at this and say, is this really what we want to commit to? And I would also hope that these celebrities apologize and start to think about, is this something that they want to commit to? I know there's already a lot of public pressure about it. I think many people are hoping that CBS axes the show and instead tries to figure out how can they use funds to actually support activism. I don't think this is what we need right now as a world. And I don't think this is a message we want people to receive about activism. We talk a lot on the bulletin and also in our athlete interviews around the difference between performative and actual change from activism. And I think that a show called The Activist is really showing that activism has become cool and you can have a platform and be like a social media influencer because you're an activist. And that's not the message we want 
people to send. You shouldn't be doing activism and be making change to become a trendsetter and an influencer. You should be doing it because you really care about the cause and you want to help people. So I think it's a really mixed message the show would send. And I think, I hope anyway, we'll see some folks come out and say that this show is no longer going to happen. And that's it for this week. Thank you guys for tuning in, coming back each week to learn more about the world of sports philanthropy and athlete activism. I hope you'll go follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, and see some sneak peeks of our first athlete interview and our first guest of season three dropping this Thursday. So come back in just a couple days, listen in. I know you guys are going to love the episode. I'm really excited to launch this next season. We've already got a bunch of amazing athlete interviews uh, recorded, and we've got a few more coming on the pipeline. So I'm really, really excited. So I'll see you on Thursday and see you back here next time for another BLP Bulletin. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.